welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast season two. Woo, season two! I'm your host, Natalie, and I can't wait to share the myriad of plays we've recorded for you. For return listeners, welcome back, and I'm so pleased to have you with us again. For newbies, we're a new writing night in podcast form and showcase a chocolate box selection of standalone short audio dramas for your listening pleasure. Like a theatre new writing night, the production pace is fast and we work with professional actors and directors, but we might not have all the bells and whistles of a big, fancy, fully financed production. After each play, there'll be a short interview with the writer, digging into the plays and their experiences. This season was slightly harder to split evenly into comedies and dramas, as a lot of the comedy is quite dark and many of the dramas have their hilarious or bittersweet moments. See, I personally love stories like this that take the audience on an emotional 180, and I hope you do too. On that note, our second piece today is a comedy, but it's rooted in a very dark problem and lived experience for a lot of immigrants. More on that later. To start off, however, in order to have a nice walk, you need to make sure you are well-equipped. So say Tony and Joan. Featuring the voice talents of John Grayson and Bethan Dixon-Bate, Ready to Ramble was written by Phil Taylor and directed and edited by Natalie Chisholm. Ah, look at that. Not a cloud in the sky. What a great day for a walk. Is it mostly woodland or farmland? Why? Well, if it's farmland, I'll put on my heavier walking boots. Otherwise, I'll wear the lighter ones. Put the lighter ones on. I'll put both in and decide when we get to the start. Are we up and down a lot? Oh, total ascent about 200 metres. Why? Well, I'm just deciding if I need the walking sticks or not. Put them in. We're not coming back for them. What factor sun cream have you got? 20. I'll put some 50 in as well. It's useful for the face and ears. I don't want to get burnt like I did a few years ago in Swaledale. Lunch. I thought a pub lunch this time. Last time you suggested a pub lunch, we reached the pub at about four in the afternoon. I'll go and make some sandwiches. Can you get apples and some snack bars? Not crisps or chocolate. I remember your rucksack when that Mars bar melted last summer. Shall I add some foie gras? If we're going up 200 metres, it's bound to get a bit colder. I think I need an extra layer. Can you bring my green fleece with you? Shall I bring the crampons just in case? I remember on holiday in Switzerland and we took the train up the Jungfrau, who was unable to walk very well at the top. Yes, well, that was at about 6,000 metres. We will be at about 600 metres. And it's spring, not winter. Have you got the OS map? Technology has moved on, dear. I've downloaded the route to my phone. It pings every time you reach a junction and... Shows a photograph of where we should be and which direction to go. And if it's downloading photos frequently, it's going to eat up the battery. Have you got your charger? And where do you want me to plug it in when we're in the middle of the countryside? Well, in that case, we need to take the maps as well. We'd be the laughing stock if we got lost because our phone went dead. And what would we do in an emergency if our phone went dead? We will be in the Yorkshire Dales, not the middle of the Sahara. Actually, I checked and the walk covers two ordnance survey maps, so we'll need to take both. What about the bird recognition book that Richard gave you for your birthday? Yes, that was very thoughtful for walkers. The hardback edition weighs a tonne. Probably got it from one of those publishers' clearance shops for 50p. Well, I want to take the flora and fauna in Yorkshire book. At least that is pocket-sized. Why not just photograph anything you don't recognise and 
check it when we get back. I like the satisfaction of looking it up there and then. I understand that, but it also explains why it can take us four hours to do a three-hour walk. Well, nothing's spoiling. And have you got your camera with its three-metre-long lens? It's 20 centimetres, and it provides a great visual record of the walk. <laughs> For whom? Anybody who cares to go to the website. Oh, and that is who? Well, me, mostly. Thank you. Now, will there be any overgrown forest tracks? Why? Well, to decide whether I wear shorts or long trousers. Those ferns can be a pain, literally if they're very dense. They leave red marks on my legs. I thought you had the walking trousers that can be made into shorts by unzipping just below the knee. I do, but they don't look as nice as the long trousers I got last year in Wales. Practical and fashionable those are. What hat are you taking? My baseball hat, of course. Make sure you put plenty of cream on the back of your neck then. Why not wear the one with the back flap that protects the neck? It's the Dales, not the French Foreign Legion in the Sahara. That makes me look like a wally. But not a sunburnt wally. How much liquid are you taking? I've got this five-litre plastic bottle on wheels with some rubber tubing that allows me to continuously take on water. All right, no need for that. Dehydration can be a real problem on walks. You should have at least half a litre. If I can manage to carry all this lot, I can probably qualify as a Royal Marine. Are we finally ready? First aid kit. Have you got it? Plasters for sore feet, yes. What about cream for midgen insect bites? OK, cream included. And for good measure, snake bite anti-venom. Oh, antihistamine. The pollen count could be high on a day like this. I don't want my hay fever coming back. I better pack the naproxen as well. I can see my backache returning carrying this lot. Money for parking. You know these rural car parks never give change, and I doubt contactless has reached the Dales yet. Three pound coins and three fifty peas. That should do it. Have you told Richard and Jenny where we're going? I suppose there is a slim chance we may get abducted by aliens and not return on time. Oh, amazing, it's Richard. Hi, Richard, it's Dad. What can I do for you? Oh, I see. I'll ask Mum... What's up? Jenny's going into hospital this afternoon for a minor op. Her mum was due to go with her as Richard has an important client to see at work, but her mum is sick. Can you go instead? Of course. We can go on the walk tomorrow. Yes, I'm sure we can. I'm here with Phil Taylor, who just wrote Ready to Ramble. Welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast, Phil. Thank you very much, Natalie. And you're one of the writers who has been able to come along to the recording session. So you've been able to see the directors and actors rehearsing and also recording it in the studio. How was that process for you? Uh, Really amazing. It was uh, tremendous to see the two actors just bring the parts to life and just to watch the way it was so subtly edited. I was really appreciative of the talents of all three. Fantastic. So obviously we've heard the piece, but we don't know anything about you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your writing background? Well, I did make one or two brief stage appearances as a young person, but realised I had no talent whatsoever for acting. But... My wife and I have loved the theatre for many, many years and it's perhaps not a total coincidence that my daughter teaches drama. Um, But I retired four years ago from college work and uh, living in Lancashire, people said, you're going to need some indoor hobbies. And uh, so I took up table tennis and writing. 
Lovely. So what's your favourite thing in the, the years that you've been writing? What's your favourite thing that you've written? And do you have a preferred genre or style that you keep going back to? Well, much of my writing is based on observation, but I do have a, an unhealthy interest in crime and the legal genre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and strangely, on the street where I live, on my side of the street, almost all my neighbours are past or present police uh, oh. men or women and add in a neighbour as a solicitor and I, I've got my local advisory board. Absolutely, lots of people <laughs> yeah. who you can pick their brains. Yeah. Fantastic. And so how about audio? Is that a typical medium for you to write in? Yes, I've done most of my work in audio, really, okay. um, and I've, I enjoy writing that. So going back to Ready to Ramble, one of the reasons I loved it is that it reminded me of my grandparents who took me hiking and rambling a lot as a young child in the Lake District because it was right there. Um, they were not quite as over-prepared as Tony and Joan are, though. Are they based on anyone in particular, or do you see yourself in them? Well, I have no... I, I, you do quite a lot of rambling, but I have noticed that the a lot of couples remember one particular ramble because of something they forgot to do or they forgot to bring. And you always find one of them saying to the other, you know, did you remember the sun cream this time or something similar? And it, it's being able to sort of synthesise that experience from a load of friends, really, that led to Ready to Ramble. I find, like, when my husband and I go on walks, we are usually, like prepared enough for the walk itself like we'll have sun cream we'll have hats or whatever we'll have waterproofs but no matter how hard we try we always get lost like even using google maps yeah we will always take a wrong turn somewhere or turn too early or too late and we'll yeah we'll always end up just the wrong side of the train tracks and be like where how how did we get here i mean we there are the you you can download the tracks but we had a book for christmas which was walks with a dog oh yeah and we tried one last week and uh, we were with friends and we'd got three quarters of the way around and we'd gone through this underpass and the path pointed to a farm and all there was was a big fence. <laughs> and that happens, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Sometimes it's part of the excitement to figure out quite what's gone on since they published the maps. But uh, yeah. And is it the lakes that you tend to walk in when you go rambling or around the Well, um, we certainly go to the southern end of the lakes, Arndale and Silverdale. But, I mean, where we live, we've got the Yorkshire Dales, we've got the Trough of Boland and we've got the Peak District all within an hour. So we have a pretty good choice. You can't yeah. complain at that. And what, what, do you have a favourite one? Well, generally my favourite walk is my last one, I think. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> so many favourites. Fair enough. Yeah, I understand that. So you say you've got a couple of other pieces in the works. Do you have any pieces that are being put on? Anything else coming up? Nothing at the moment that's actually being produced. I've got a couple of pieces that I'm just tidying up. Um, and I hope I'll be able to get, get moving in the next few months. Fair enough. And yeah. if people were interested in hearing about those pieces, if they were... Uh, if they were being produced. Do you have anywhere where you shout about yourself? Do you have a website or social uh, media? No. In fact, Natalie, my social media presence is so low, I think even GCHQ would have trouble finding me. <laughs> but I, I, if anybody does want to know, if they want to email me, I'll be happy to direct them to the appropriate places. Okay, fair enough. Well, if you were interested in hearing more of, of Phil's work, then get in touch with us and we can pass you on. That's great. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. It's been a okay. pleasure having you on board. Thank you very much, Natalie. Thank you again to Phil, John and Bethan and also Natalie, who you may remember performing the monologue like the blood in your veins from last season. 
For me, as well as showcasing new writing, this podcast is about giving people the opportunity to stretch and develop new skills, so it's been brilliant to get her on as a director this time around. As I highlighted in our Season 2 trailer episode, we now have a Patreon. A massive thank you to our first round of patrons, including Lizzie Wilding, Tracy Hayward, John Grayson, Natalie Chisholm and Michael Solko. Whilst everyone involved in the podcast is volunteering their time and skills for free and receives copies of the plays they're involved in for their portfolios, the working class liberal in me absolutely wants to be able to pay our creatives. We have a couple of goals set up on the Patreon page so you can see how close we are to achieving them. The Tier 1 goal simply covers running costs. If we hit Tiers 2 and 3 respectively, it means I'd be able to cover travel expenses and then time the actors and directors spend recording and rehearsing at national minimum wage, respectively, with the writers given a matching fee. It's not as much as I'd like, ultimately, but I think it's a reasonable goal to start with. If you'd like to support the access to free arts, then please do check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash raggedfoils. Next up, we have gov.uk. An imaginary conversation with a government worker by Romanian writer Eva Todica. Starring Catalina Croiteru as Ioana and Katie Flamen as Neve, Gov.uk was directed by Bill Thomas and edited by Kirsty Gilmore. settled and pre-settled status for EU citizens and their families in the UK. This is Neve Willoughby speaking. Can I take your name, please? Hello, uh, my name is Ioana Pop. That is I-O-A-N-A Pop. Could you spell your last name for me as well, please? That would be P-O-P. Right, thank you. That's a nice name, isn't it? Where's that from? Um, thank you. It, It is quite a basic Romanian name. Romanian, I see. Can I take your national insurance number, please? That is SD09865F. F for Foxtrot? Excuse me? Uh, Yes, uh, F for Future. Hmm, I'll see about that. What can I help you with today, Miss Pop? I have a few questions about applying for the pre-settled status. I tried to find the answers online, but I found the page to be really complicated. I sometimes feel like you want people to call you. I am sorry you've had that experience, but the government works very hard to create an easy interface. After all, what interest could the government have in people calling? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I guess it is probably just me. You can find and fill out a feedback survey about the site online. Uh, Okay, I'll do that. Now, what question did you have, Miss Pop? I was wondering if being unemployed at the moment is going to affect my application in any way. What is your main source of income right now? Well, I I gave up my job in order to focus on my career, and right now I am helped out by my parents. What do you mean? You gave up your job in order to focus on your career? uh, I left my job because I am a film graduate, and I am trying to get into the film industry, but... You know, it takes a while when you don't know anyone, so I can 
bring proof of employment at the moment. I see. You said you're being supported by your parents. Are they in the UK or in Romania? They're in Romania. What's the currency in Romania? Euro? No, it's called Leo. Why? What is the exchange rate of pound to Leo? I am not sure. About one to five? 20p for a Leo. Well, that's a big difference right there, isn't it? Your parents must be trying really hard. Yes, they are actually. And you said you can't make it in the industry here because you don't know anyone. Yes, at least that's what I feel. Why? <laughs> Do you know someone? Do you know anyone in the film industry in Romania? Yes, I guess, sort of. Well then, why apply for pre-settled status anyway? Look, I graduated university here and I kind of see my future here now. You finished university here? That would surely look good back in Romania. I suppose. I'm sorry, but I feel like this isn't necessarily answering my question. How old are your parents, dear? Excuse me? How old are they? Almost 60. Oh, my. They would surely enjoy you being around then, wouldn't they? Sorry, but they're not exactly young. And at the pace, they must be working to help you out. What do you mean? Are you sure this current arrangement is what's best for you right now? Are you saying I should get a job again? Should you get another job here, doing something you don't like? When you could go back to Romania and use the people you know there to have a career in film. Yes, I guess that makes sense. This is very confusing. You called about applying for pre-settled status, but now you're reconsidering. And that is perfectly fine, dear. What am I reconsidering? Staying in the UK. You just said your parents were pretty old and you said money's tight. I understand it's hard. I think you're making the right decision. To apply? Do not apply. But I am applying. Transylvania is in Romania, right? Yes, that's right. Well, maybe that's a niche you can explore. Transylvania? Films? See where I'm going? Not really. You know, you can still have success in the UK from outside the UK. You could be very popular. Filming in the castles, sharing it with your old university mates, or maybe a vlog. A vlog? A vampire vlog from the home of the vampires. And you could be close to your family too. That is a great idea, Miss Pop. I think you really are onto something. It wasn't my idea. <laughs> well, I'll never sue you for anything. <laughs> okay. Wonderful chat we had. 
seeing someone this young accept that their personal aspirations were mistaken was truly inspiring. I am convinced that your parents will be so happy to hear the news. What news? That you will not be applying for pre-settled status, but going back home. I wish you the best of luck in your new life, Miss Pop. It was lovely to talk to you before you went back. Have a safe journey now. I am not going anywhere. Excuse me? I am not going anywhere. Thanks, anyway. I'll try the site again. Goodbye. Bloody stubborn, these Romanians. I'll never get them. Hello, you've called settled and pre-settled status for EU citizens and their families in the UK. This is Neve Willoughby speaking. Can I take your name, please? Could you spell that for me? Ooh, where's that from? Oh, such a pretty place. I'm here with Eva Todica, the writer of Gov.uk. Thank you for being part of the podcast. Welcome. Oh, thank you. It was great. Great fun. Cool. So you're you're here. You're one of our writers that's here on the recording day. You've just heard your group do your piece. Obviously, that's not the finished product. It's going to be all edited together and stuff. But how did you feel? How's it been for you? No, it's been great. And especially because I did not direct it myself. It was great to see someone step in and bring their thoughts to the table and especially the performance. It felt amazing to see them really take to it and just go to their thing. And I think they were great. So it was very exciting. So you you are a director yourself as well as a writer, aren't you? Yes. Yes. Cool. So there is always a bit of uh, hesitation, I'm sure, like handing a piece over to someone else. Yeah, I think now it was great because I don't have loads of experience directing voice Mm. and having Bill do it felt quite comfortable because I thought, oh, I'll just steal as much as possible and direct the next one myself. Take notes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Learn. So tell us a little bit about you. I am Romanian. I moved to London four years ago to study theatre at Goldsmiths. Mm -hmm. I am trying to move into film at the moment and juggle a job and being creative in London, Mm -hmm. which is exciting, uh, tricky, but I think you learn a lot Mm -hmm. and you learn a lot about yourself as well. I think London is is fueled on creative types who have another job to keep them going whilst they are working on their creative career. So yeah, definitely not alone. So how long have you been writing? I think I've been always writing bits and bobs, but I've been focusing more on it mm-hmm. in the past two years, mm-hmm. like trying to get a discipline and write, if not every day, at least every other day. Yeah. And if I'm too busy, at least every week and not let it slip out of my hand completely. Um, so... I've always written my own scripts for short films I've done, written my own final performance for uni, and yeah, quite enjoyed it to just be able to put your thoughts into the world. To me, and usually when I get an idea, it comes in my mind with a format Mm. as well. I'm like, oh, I would like to say this, and it would fit uh, an animation. Or I'd like Mm. to say this, and it would fit a theater piece. Um, So I think I'm still experimenting 
with the specific genre. So I'm more about what medium is best to convey this particular idea. And so I enjoy writing theater a lot. I enjoy writing scripts. I write poetry and I'm actually looking at having some poems published soon. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, hopefully it will all come together and I'll when come it, talk to you about it. When is that due to be out? You know? I just found out about it, so I'll let you know. Okay, yeah, yeah, do. And we'll uh, let everyone else know and, and share it if people were interested. In that. Thank That's you. That's really cool. So back to gov.uk, the subtitle for it that you, you put on the script is this is based on being Romanian, which it made me chuckle, but obviously suggests that the hideous conversation that uh, Ioana goes through is something that you've actually experienced personally, is that correct? That's a very interesting question because the conversation wasn't something okay. that happened in real life, but it was based on how I felt and what the vibe around me was at the time, mm-hmm. how I reacted to the world and to Brexit. And that's very, very interesting because it was meant as a joke, as an exaggeration, as a satire. And then people telling me, oh, I can relate to this. I had a very similar conversation. That's very, very interesting because it means I touched a point that's relevant for people. I think the post-Brexit feeling is, it's it's interesting because everyone is still very like polite and friendly, but I you don't feel as welcome anymore. And it's this insecurity of what's going to happen that I think every immigrant here feels at the moment so I wanted to touch upon that. I was really pleased that you were able to introduce me to Catalina for the role of Ioana because we didn't have any Romanian actors apply and I didn't know any myself. Is there a big Romanian creative community in the UK? There is a very large Romanian community and that involves many creatives. Um, So far I don't know how large the creative Romanian community is. I keep meeting people and I've made loads of friends mm-hmm. who are creatives and Romanian, but it would be amazing to meet more and actually create a Romanian community. So if there's anyone listening, let's get in touch and let's make it happen. Well, that'd be fantastic. Well, we'd love to facilitate that. So where can people get in touch with you? Like website, social media? The easiest way would be to contact me on Instagram. It's mm-hmm. Eva Todico. Mm-hmm. And you have my website there as well. And Eva Todico on Facebook as well. Uh, many Romanians still use Facebook so we'll put all the links to those in the show notes so if you're listening and you're Romanian and you want to get in touch with Ava please do well thank you so much for being on the show oh thank you and thanks once again to Eva Bill Catalina and Katie for their work on this thanks to you for listening and we'll be back next week with another two short plays the Ragged Scratch podcast brought to you by Ragged Falls Productions was produced and hosted by Natalie Winter Play edits and sound engineering by Natalie Chisholm and Kirsty Gilmore. Episode edits by Natalie Winter. The Ragged Scratch podcast theme music was composed by Alex Jones. You can find us online at Ragged Foils across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, where we've been tagging this week's creatives so you can find out more about them and their work. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us with a donation on patreon.com slash raggedfoils. All donations will go back into making the podcast as best we can. See you next week.